everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game in which I think the Winnipeg Jets got a little bit of a taste of the bitter medicine that they have been force-feeding teams for a long, long time right now. It's an interesting one. You know, I think a lot of the losses that we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets so far this year have been losses where, you know, they didn't show up. They didn't have it. One of those things. I know that there was a little bit of that coming from Rick Bonus, but I think talking to the players, there was a real kind of hat tip happening to the Washington Capitals. This is a team that's walking around with significant, significant injuries doesn't really have you know a lot of the major players on that team or some, they're missing some of the major players in that lineup um and so the question i was kind of thinking coming in was did they have enough to to kind of be that team um what i saw here tonight was the winnipeg jets it for, for a long time now have been going out have been beating teams up in the neutral zone basically they take the puck take it into your zone grind you down you try and come out and they basically take the puck off of you as you get into the neutral zone and just reload and head right back into the zone uh kelly moore from cjob had uh had had a good conversation with him. I had a good conversation with him where he talked a lot about the back pressure that the Winnipeg Jets have. And I talked about a play in the last podcast uh, where the Jets in the previous game against Chicago had gone down on a two on one shot, the puck missed the net and the player, I think, I believe it was Mikey Asimont rolled around the net and got back. And what you would have thought would have been an odd man rush for the Chicago Blackhawks ended up being a two on four because the Jets had four guys back that takes a massive, massive commitment to, to uh, you know, getting back into the play and playing defense. And I think that's exactly what we saw here from the Washington Capitals tonight. They came in with a great game plan. They were entirely engaged. They were working hard in the neutral zone. They were, and I think what we, what we saw here is like, was this the Jets' best game of the year? No, of course not. I'm not saying the Jets threw everything they had at the Washington Capitals, and that's how things turned out. But the Jets are a team that forces other teams into making mistakes because they frustrate the heck out of them. And then that team starts opening up their risk profile or gets a little frustrated or, you know, does whatever it is they do, but they're not playing to their identity or to their game plan. And then the Jets capitalize on it. That's exactly, exactly what I saw from the Washington Capitals tonight. There was a number of times tonight that I thought it was interesting. The Jets' aggression is what allows them to go get the puck back more often. This was a night where I thought what I saw was the Washington Capitals turned the Jets' aggression against them, and it led to a number of odd man rushes and a number of plays. And what I also saw from this Washington Capitals team that I see from the Winnipeg Jets is there was no quit in this team. I mean, there was, there was, you know, a a punch back uh, whenever I think they kind of got punched in the mouth. You know, I love the analogy, especially with the Winnipeg Jets this year, because I think they remind me of, you know, a heavyweight boxer that goes out there and they've been doing things right. Team comes rolling in. And for the most part, there's been some select games. and You've heard me talk about those games. The Jets will pummel them. Right. And that's what they've been doing. And that's what you want to do if you're a top team. Well, tonight, this was a big heavyweight bout. And the Jets at times threw a shot at the Washington Capitals. I thought they started doing that towards the end of the first period. But when they did that, the Washington Capitals played defense. You know, they hidden behind the hands and then they came out punching. I think there's a, a perfect play kind of encapsulates it. There was a draw late in the second period 
Kyle Connor gets it right off the draw and fires it and it hits the post, right? And one of the things that I saw that I've seen against the Jets this year is they create a lot of chaos in front of the net. The, the, the Washington Capitals, when there were times tonight that the Jets uh, had opportunities, the Washington Capitals didn't you know, fly around in chaos in front of their own net. They recovered really quickly. Uh, and, and that's what we saw. And on that play, hits the post. And then what happens is later on in that same shift, you know, against Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois' line, they come back down the other way and get an even better scoring opportunity. They also put it off the post. But the mindset there is, uh-oh, we're not back on our heels. We're not just going to give it away. The mindset is still, no, yeah, you got your punch in. Okay, let's go and let's go get our punch in. I think the Winnipeg Jets got beat tonight. I think, and I don't think it's a bad thing. The Winnipeg Jets went out and they've been beating the pants off of teams for a long time. The Eastern Conference is a different animal. I know the Washington Capitals are out of the playoff picture or we're going into this game and they're hovering around where the Florida Panthers are. That is a better team than the Florida Panthers. They've been playing better hockey lately. They're confident. They're a team that's, you know, won a cup before. So they've got a little bit of that moxie to them. Uh, and I just think tonight the Winnipeg Jets went out and got caught in the chin a couple of times, threw a couple of shots to the chin, but they got they got outmuscled by by a team tonight that was just simply the better team. I give all the credit in the world to the Washington Capitals for the way that they played, uh, but I think it's good for the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll dig into that later in the show. Before we do that, I want to bring in my main man, Kenny, uh, the man with the best music in the business. Let's get his th- thoughts on that game. Here comes Ken. Oh, there he is. There's our main man, Ken. Uh, Ken, uh, people may be wondering what I'm doing at home. Uh, I had some time, so I decided to come home. That's what I've been telling people. The real fact of the matter is I was debuting a new suit. I was so <laughs> proud to show it off from Frank and the boys of Vittorio Rossi. And it's a red checkered suit, and it looks absolutely great. And Ken and I showed up, and Ken's got like a dark maroon, almost red shirt. And it's kind of like that thing where you show up you know, at the ball wearing the same thing as your best friend. I was so embarrassed I had to run from the building because I thought such a gorgeous suit from Frankie and the boys at Vittorio Rossi deserved its own premiere, not Ken trying to overshadow it. So uh, just hold on. It's coming. Don't worry about it. But, uh, hey, it is sharp. I can confirm, folks, I can confirm. It is very, very sharp, very sharp. when you see it, you'll love it, uh, and that's because it's from Frank and the boys of Vittorio Rossi. And if you're interested in looking like Kenny and Rennie, uh, why don't you head on down to Cordon Avenue, go see Frank and the boys of Vittorio Rossi. They take care of everything for you. It may be the first suit you're buying. It may be the hundredth suit you're buying. I have confidence it will be one of the best suits that you ever buy if you're getting it from Frank and the boys of Vittorio Rossi. Ken, how are you doing tonight? What did you think of that game? 
Yeah, fantastic. And uh, before I dive into the buffet, uh, we're going to thank people for their patience. And we're going to just let folks know a little bit. Uh, we're probably going to be starting the shows like slightly later than we have been. Um, just I'm going to ha- I have some more res- writing responsibilities that we're going to have to dig into here uh, during the next uh, stretch. So thank you in advance for your patience. And we hope you can wait and join us after the uh, uh, legal curve folks are done or whenever that is. But uh, we appreciate your patience uh, in term and. Sean was kind enough not to blame me there, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I have some responsibilities that I have to take care of on the writing side, and we're going to do our best to be up as uh, promptly as possible. We enjoy being in this space and breaking things down, but uh, in terms of the game, it's interesting, Sean. I think that uh, you know, obviously, when the team falls, when a team like the Jets falls behind four nothing, there is a you know a natural reaction to say, "Oh, this team is." Uh, wasn't ready to go or the, you know, the effort wasn't there to me, the caps were definitely the better team. Obviously they came out of the gate incredibly strong. The shots were eight to one at one point in favor of the capitals. The jets were struggling Mm. to get anything going. Uh, They didn't have their legs. They didn't generate much speed. Uh, We know the jets have struggled against some one, three, one teams. They've also done well against some other one, three, one teams. So I don't think it's something where you'll look and say, Ooh, the caps have the secret, uh, secret to ingredients and formula to slow down the jets but they definitely did slow down the jets this evening no uh, doubt but, af- but after it was 8-1 then it was all of a sudden 10-9 for the jets after the first so uh, the problem the bigger issue for me sean was the second period from the jets i thought the jets had finally figured out maybe a way to get some pressure generated and some scoring chances but uh, you know charlie lindgren stopped pierre luc dubois early and uh, Dubois may have had a little more time than he thought. Just he was so wide open. I think he was shocked to be yeah. out there that long, uh, to be quite frank. But overall, the Jets were not good in the second period. Uh, they had fallen behind, and obviously that power play, they had the four-minute double minor for high sticking to Lars Eller. Uh, not only was there an inability to cash in during that power play, but the Jets gave up a shorthanded uh, breakaway that turned into a penalty shot, which turned into a goal. So... Uh, you know, I do think that Peter Laviolette has a great deal of familiarity with the Jets from his time with the Nashville Predators, but you know, I don't think it was a game plan issue. I think it was an execution issue from the Jets, and the reality is that sometimes a team doesn't have its legs. Uh, they did, as you mentioned, battle hard their third period. You know, they got off to a great start. Those two goals in the first three twenty-nine, uh, there were glimpses, there were chances to get it to three, uh, but ultimately the Jets just were unable to kind of find that next one if you will uh overall i agree with you i mean uh i understand how fans would feel and you know team win team like the jets wins four in a row they think they're gonna never gonna lose again oh the caps have all these injuries but uh the capitals have also won four games in a row sean uh, much like the jets had going into the game uh they played with a level of desperation at you know, on this, they've been away for quite a while. They've been on the road a lot. Yes, they were home for a, a quick game against Edmonton, I believe. They're off to Chicago, but uh, they played a structured game. Their backup, uh, you know, backup has been pushed into a starting job because Darcy Kemper is injured. Uh, they played a sound game. The Jets weren't good. The, the Jets were the second best team in this one. So uh, I don't think the, you know, again, people who are thinking goaltending was an issue, give me a break. I mean, um, that that fake by Marcus Johansson on the shot to go to the backhand is oh. an absolute beauty. Uh, one is just terrible coverage uh, on the... There's terrible coverage on two, Sean. Uh, the first one by Trevor Van Riemsdyk. The Jets kind of got caught in a little bit of no man's land. And uh, I know I am the conductor of the Gus bus, but David Gustafson kind of got caught on the wrong side uh, in front of the, the, the guy doing the screening. Um, 
And then, you know, nobody picked up Van Riemsdyk in the high slot. It was a nice play by Nick Dowd. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the coverage on the power play goal by Yevgeny Kuznetsov, I'm not 100% sure there wasn't great coverage at the top. And I don't know how Kuznetsov was so wide open behind the two defensemen. Uh, that's obviously a coverage breakdown uh, in the hockey game. So, I mean, to me, when the shots were 8-1, to one, Hellebuck made about four or five bell saves uh, early, or else the Jets would have been behind after the first period, uh, not just after the second period. Overall, again, these games are going to happen on occasion. Uh, I don't think it was a great effort by the Jets. They did have some notable showings, but for the most part, uh, you know, they were the second best team. And when a lot of nights in the NHL, Sean, when the team is the second best team, that team often loses. So uh, I don't think uh, for one second that this is uh, the first bit of the unraveling. And, uh, you know, like we've talked about at times, you know, there hasn't been a ton of tension. Yes, the Jets have dealt with some adversity in terms of dealing with injuries and things like that, but they haven't really, you know, they haven't had a losing streak. So part of the reason is they've been so quick to rebound or recover from losses. So that's something that that's an acquired skill. It's also a skill that requires attention constantly. You can't just dip into the reservoir and think, oh, well, the team lost once. We're obviously going to win the next game. I mean, the Jets almost ran into that against Anaheim, Sean, after a poor effort against the Columbus Blue Jackets, where they weren't at their level after they come back. So to me, it'll be interesting. I mean, we've said this countless times. We're going to find out a heck of a lot about the Winnipeg Jets in the month of December. This is the latest thing. The Vegas Golden Knights are rolling into town. The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Jets twice. The Jets were very unhappy with at least one of the efforts. You know, one of them is an overtime loss, but they were very sour with their first game in there. And, you know, this is the last time they'll play Vegas this year unless they meet uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So this is one of those things where the Jets are already going to be standing at attention. How are they going to react? And are they going to be able to avoid consecutive losses again? I mean, that's that's another thing we're going to find out uh, quickly. Um, Ken, uh, there's something I want to t- take, maybe not take issue with you, but you did say something in there. Uh, the coach said it as well. Uh, I've, I've got a difference of opinion on that one. I want to point it out. But before we do that, I wanted to get your uh, trans-Canada lamp later of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple pretty goals in the game. Uh, I'm going with the Dubois goal uh, just because it was something we don't see very often. Uh, you know, great job by the Jets to get going north on that odd man rush, the three-on-one. Smart play by Michael Essamont. Asimont to get the puck to Kyle Connor. Uh, Kyle Connor goes cross ice to Pierre Luc Dubois. You know, it, he put it in a pretty good spot, but <laughs> Pierre Luc Dubois basically said to me after the game, it was either choke down on the stick or potentially tear your groin. And he cho- chose the, you know, he chose the other option, which was not to try to tear his groin. Uh, I love the creativity. Uh, I like the instinctual nature. Uh, I, to me, as a baseball lover and a baseball fan, it was like, you know, choking down, choking up with two strikes. Uh, Dubois thought it was more of a mini sticks kind of scenario uh, where you, you're you just kind of used to kind of having the shorter stick. He went down. Uh, I loved how he was able to get the puck up by going down on the stick like that. I thought it was a, a tremendous rush for the Jets, and it was an impressive, uh, you know, and creative use of the twig by one Pierre-Luc Dubois as he scored his 14th goal of the year, and that's why that uh, is my Trans-Canada Brewing lamplighter of the game. That, that's just a stupid skilled play. Like when you watch oh, it in when you 
when you watch it in uh, instant replay, you can tell that puck is like two thirds of its way to him, and it's coming fast. That and that he realizes I, I'm going to have to do something here, and just kind of slides the top hand down. But the way that he just kind of like slaps at it, the way that he does to get it, you know, because usually you need that top hand. To, to leverage to get that puck up. So he kind of takes like a little chip at it with the, the hand down on the stick to get the puck up and over the goaltender, which is important. That goal's not going in unless he's able to get it in the upper half of the net. That is just like a stupid sick play. And I got to say, I completely agree with you, Ken. Uh, that was something else. Uh, and uh, listen, we'd love for you to share with us your TransCanada Brewing Company, Lamplighter, Amber Ale, Lamplighter of the game. You just got to tell us what your favorite goal of the game was, what you thought the best goal of the game was. It doesn't really matter. The best moment, whatever. And that's your Lamplighter of the game. Share it with us and you'll enter to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale, just the nectar of the gods. If you can't wait for us to uh, hand that out to you, why not head down to TransCanada Brewing Company like I did yesterday, like Joey Slattery from CTV did today. He let me know he was down there. Went down to 11290 Keniston to go check out their tap room. Phenomenal space. It's all decorated for Christmas. It's great. The family hit up the uh, Zoo Lights, which is, you know, I think it's sponsored. Everyone uh, at the Zoo Lights is wearing the TransCanada Brewing Company um, toques because uh, I know they've got some involvement with that. So we checked that out. It was a big TransCanada Brewing Company day yesterday awesome day great stuff and that brings us to our winner i'll tell you this john chan you nailed it ken john chan i believe he's overseas i believe it's thailand or something like that uh but he did not get a hold and you know what that means rollover oh, no. alert john rollover alert he was he was yeah. even in the chat room but he must have missed the lamplighter he must john have chan it. your friends should have told you so, yeah, I guess you should have told somebody. Exactly. So there's a rollover effect, and there is a new winner who stands to win a 16-pack, two eight-packs of Lamplighter Amber Ale, and that is a longtime listener, Doug Thorosky. So, Doug Thorosky, you are on the clock before the next uh, show. That's two days from now. You need to get a hold of me. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name, and I need an email to send this to you, and you stand to win a 16-pack of Frosty Delicious Lamplighter Ale. I can't ring. Well, I'm going to ring the bell anyways, ring it anyway. I love ringing yeah, the bell. Ring it. Ring the bell. You, I could be ringing the bell. Just like that for you, Doug Tarosky, but you got to get a hold of me. Oh, there he is. Doug is here. Doug is here. He's here? Doug is here. He knows. Doug, don't forget. Send Sean a note immediately. Immediately. Don't forget. He's on it. it. Okay. Get it done. Okay. Um, All right. Moving on. Let's do our Johnson Group. Got you covered. Play of the game, Ken. Yeah, you know what? After the Jets got it to four to two, uh, the Caps came back, I think, on the next shift, and Neil Pionk had to make a like a ridiculous kind of desperation glove save on a blocked shot. Uh, so to me, I'm going to go with uh, Neil Pionk's uh, right-handed glove save from the slot to kind of block a shot as the We've Got You Covered play of the game sponsored by the OGs, our good friends at the Johnston Group. Uh, it was one of those plays that ultimately it didn't, make it, big, it didn't make a difference in the score, but it allowed the Jets to remain within striking distance and they were still able to get a couple of chances. That's why I've chosen uh, that single play as the We've Got You Covered play of the game. 
Great play, great play. Uh, all right, you talked about it, Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits. Proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group, Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And Ken, I thought the gotcha covered play, and I know we always go to Connor Hellebuck with this. I mean, this award was essentially made for Connor <laughs> Hellebuck was, yes. and for the Johnston Group. But just that series uh, of saves that he made, like you'd said, when the Washington Capitals went up 8-1 in shots at the beginning, he was just making save after save. There was a little bit of a heli chant that was starting in the building. But you could just tell from the sound of the crowd that it was like, oh, Oh, like you could tell what left he was save, doing. Left pad save, like, left pad that, save. That's the funny part. <laughs> Everyone is sitting here in these moments and they're saying, well, if the Jets just would have scored here, it would have been a different game. And if the Jets just would have done this, it would have been a different game. But yeah. let's be honest with ourselves. The, the, it could have been two or three nothing out of the gate for the Washington Capitals if Connor Helbuck wasn't standing on his head. As you'd said before, the idea that this had anything to do, this loss had anything to do with Connor Helbuck is absolutely ridiculous. That's not the way it goes. I do want to get to the point that I wanted to say. You'd said this, and I know Rick Bonus had said this, that the Jets didn't have their legs tonight. I disagree with that assessment just in the language of it because I, th I think the Jets in the end didn't have their legs, but I don't think they didn't show up with their legs. I think the Capitals took their legs away. And I say that sure. because, again, the, 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 the play that Kelly loves with the Winnipeg Jets, and you'll see this, <clears throat> when, when another team gets the puck and they're coming in on the Jets' defense, the Jets usually have a back checker who's coming in. What they like to do is come, you know, go from behind the player, chip the puck off his stick straight to the Jets defenders, and then they just turn it up ice, and all of a sudden the Jets are reloaded and going the other way. We see the Jets do that all the time. We don't see it happen often to the Jets, but it was happening constantly. And so this is what I mean on the idea of, like, the, the Capitals did to the Jets tonight what the Jets do to other teams. Take them out of their rhythm, make them frustrated, make them take chances, and that's what I think happened. You know, like, you got to play... You, you know, in order to play fast, you got to make passes, right? And you got to, you know, complete plays. And there were just so many plays that the Washington Capitals, through their effort, broke up. I think that they took the Jets' legs away. But I think there's a lesson in there, Ken. I think the lesson that needs to be learned for the Jets here tonight is that not every game is going to be played on your terms. The Jets have played a lot of games on their terms for a while. And what I thought the the Washington Capitals did far better than the Jets tonight was, you know, there, there was times where the Jets just weren't going to let you set up in their zone. And they were patient with that. And they said, okay, fine, then we're going to go and we're not going to give you the neutral zone. And then sometimes the Jets set up in, the, in Washington's zone. And Washington said, fine, we're comfortable with that. But when they got their opportunities, they went down. And, they, and there were some times that they had the puck in the Jets zone and they had the boards, but the Jets weren't just giving them the middle. And they have said, fine, then we'll work and see what we can do from the boards. The, the Washington Capitals took what the Jets gave them tonight 
And the Jets started giving them too much because they made mistakes. I believe for this very reason, they started getting frustrated. Um, the Jets didn't. The Jets didn't take what the Washington Capitals gave them. They got frustrated the way they frustrate teams, and they started making poor decisions that led to a lot of you know odd man rushes, which is not what the Jets do. That game against Columbus, uh, Rick Bonus said that we do not give up odd man rushes like that well they did it again tonight so that's not what jets hockey looks like but again i'm giving the washington capitals credit for knocking the jets off their game i don't buy it for a second that they didn't eat their wheaties this morning and they came in tired or whatever the reason is i just think they straight out got beat tonight and i think it's okay to say that i think it's an important lesson to learn i think it's the the biggest lesson to learn is get comfortable in games where other teams make you uncomfortable yeah, no doubt. And again, I wasn't suggesting it was a you know an issue with you know legs in terms of not having energy. I just don't think that you know some days you don't have your speed. The Jets never got to speed, and you're right. The Caps had a lot to do with that in terms of their structure. Uh, I just think that there weren't as many moments. You know, you know, sure, you had Pierre Luc Dubois finding Morgan Barron on the you know backhand redirector, but uh, the you're you know part of it was structure. They were not able to attack with speed, which you know, didn't allow them to get up to speed. But I mean, whether, you know, I think we're arguing on the same thing. I just, maybe you're expressing it a little bit differently than I did. And I agree with you. I think, sure. that, I think that the Capitals did help take the Jets legs away. I just didn't see them sharp out of the gate uh, in terms of having, you know, we've seen them with legs and speed where they've dictated the terms of play. You're right. That's the Caps, all we've seen. The Caps yeah. dictated this game in terms of how it was going to be played. And, you know, now we're going to see, you know, you're going to have two angry teams. It sounds like Vegas lost to Boston in the rematch uh, today as well. So, um, you know, Vegas missing a couple key parts, and, you know, so are the Jets, as we've mentioned before. But uh, I'm very curious to see what the response is. I, you know, Jets are saying all the right things. They've done all the right things so far. But they haven't had any, you know, lengthy losing streaks. So, But that's a credit to them. What they did so well in 17-18, and I'm not comparing the teams whatsoever, but the parallel is... In 17-18, the Jets didn't lose two in a row in regulation, you know, I think until they lost three in a row to Vegas in the conference final. So that became kind of a calling card for the Winnipeg Jets. So can they make it a calling card again? They played 27 games. They've shown they can rebound with regularity, and they've done a nice job on that front. So uh, now it's another test. You've got, you know, one of the, you know, the team that the Jets are going toe-to-toe with in terms of points percentage in the Western Conference along with Dallas. Uh, you know they're rolling into town it's the last meeting between the two teams and you know I, I'm both teams are going to be on their toes and and ready to roll and I you know can't wait for that matchup uh, quickly Sean let, let's just quickly talk about Ovi uh, here this evening I mean it was it was a brief <laughs> but animated conversation with Alex Ovechkin uh, after the morning skate and you know he didn't have a whole lot going in the game today I think the Jets actually did a really nice job against him both at five on five and during the power play of, you know, yes, he got a couple of uh, slappers away, but, you know, didn't get the, you know, didn't get the signature John Carlson to OV one timer. Uh, I thought that he kind of overpassed on the one Oshi and oh, man. Had the two on that was one. a goal. That was well, a goal. Yeah. I think it was, the, this is how I saw it. The pass was definitely not one timer a bull. It was no? behind him, but he still okay. could have been able to hit it with the wrister. Uh, but I think that I said to Murad Atesh, who was sitting beside me, I said, that's one of those where Ovi gives it back and says, hey, you got to hit me in the wheelhouse here. Since yeah. you didn't, how about I'm going to try to go backdoor tap to you? 
because no everyone is expecting me to shoot. Um, I thought the Jets handled themselves pretty well. Ovechkin did still have. It's funny. I mean, I, I didn't find him to be really in the guts of the game, Sean. But you look up and he had nine shot attempts again. I mean, he's just a guy that can find a way to get his shot off and available. Uh, you know, wasn't as physical as we're used to seeing. But um, what anything stand out to you? I mean, you asked a couple questions to Ovechkin uh, this morning. Uh, you know, he was kind of in a hurry. He had spent a little bit of time with uh, with a friend, Samantha Pell, from the Washington Post on a story she was working on. So uh, he wasn't digging in for a lengthy session, but... Um, yeah. what'd you think anything stand out in terms of a, what he had to say this morning as he, you know, as he hits seven ninety seven here with his empty netter or B what you saw from him on the ice. Cause I had said this during the warm up. I mean, these guys we've seen like Ovechkin for me again, goes back to grand forks. That's the, that's the world junior. You see Ovechkin, you see Crosby. So these guys are now in their, you know, mid to late thirties. Uh, I just think it's important that people enjoy the opportunity to see these greats because, Yes, those guys are still going to play a couple more years for sure, but it's not going to be long where you're going to be wishing that you could go out and see those kind of players. So, oh, yeah. Even though he didn't have a massive impact on the game, uh, you're witnessing a part of history. I mean, he's closing in on 800 goals, which, uh, man, oh, man, I mean, just incredible the number and the consistency he's been able to put together. But uh, anyways, I'm going, to, I'm going to step to the side and let you uh, finally tackle that question I asked you two minutes ago. Well, you know what? Let's let's bring Scotty Billick in here because I know the chat room has been begging for it for a long time. I want to bring in Scotty. And then Scotty's going to be able to roll in here. He'll be able to kind of answer the same question, what he saw. I'll handle it. Actually, let me pass it over to Scotty because it's been far too long since we've heard of him on the show here. Going to bring Scotty into the show, although Scotty's mic is unmutable at the time right now, so he's not presenting a mic for us to bring him in the show. There he is. He's there in here. There you go. Uh, also, you, first of all, you need to tell the people the truth. There was no suspension. No suspension. Tell the truth. I, there was Billy. no suspension. Tell I the was truth. just playing tell along with truth. your chat. I was playing along with your chat, trying to be a good I soldier you in, I the liked it. in the chat. I liked it also. I'm I didn't, I didn't I want to do. pop that bubble. I like the tension that it created. So I, I I've been paid. One, I've been paid. Like I'm only on here. They said I had to come on, and if I don't tell them that I wasn't suspended, I would never get on again. So I submit. I submit. I appreciate the chat uh, also yelling for me the other day. I was actually, uh, uh, my dad went to the hospital for the second time in a week, and so I had to run away for a bit, and I came back, and I heard there was a big kerfuffle. So, But, yes, yeah, suspension's lifted. My dad's all right, so we're all good. So. That's good news. And, and theme music is almost locked down. The music is there. The video is coming together. Colin, my camera guy, is working on it right you know, now. He actually has a couple of good ideas. So it's coming. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm but not, yeah, not worried. Tishu does make a point. Like, I mean, you could have cleaned up a little bit for the show if you were. It is K&R after all, you know. But, uh, I, you know, I'm just saying that because I've got beard envy right now. So that's the stage. But yeah, let's my get back beard to isn't as good as hammers. So, yeah. What, what, what did you see from Ovi tonight, Scotty? Me? I, yeah. Yeah. I just saw Ovi, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, are we not used to him by now? Like, I mean, he does his things. He... He tried for the empty netter. He eventually got it. The first one he tried. I mean, he tried to make the one-handed empty netter thing. I mean, you know, I saw him on the power play. He took a couple of, I don't know who blocked that. It was, it was DeMello or somebody Somebody got in front of one of his one-timers. On De- DeMello was set up and didn't move. Yeah. So the, the Jets' plan that day was to keep yeah. DeMello in his shooting lane and just not allow him to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, saw, I thought the Jets actually played Ovechkin 
quite well tonight. I, and I think the Hulk is, I mean, I don't know how much you guys have talked about it or whether or not if you noticed Ovi that much on the ice tonight. I mean, I, I didn't notice him as much. I didn't think he was a huge factor in the game. I thought Eugenis Knetsov was much more of a factor, you oh, know, yeah. because the Jets kind of tried to take it away. I mean, I saw, I heard about the lamplighter to me, the lamplighter was the, the, the it was see, the problem with the penalty shot goal is, is you can you really call it a lamplighter, but it's the, it's the assist yeah. that, that Knetsov makes to Gorgeous. push the puck ahead, Great to poke effort. it ahead, which is absolutely tremendous. It's and all so, like, part I mean, of that would be my lap. Yeah. Like, and that's it. But you know, to, answer your question I, I i thought Ovi was Ovi, right i mean now here's a guy who's got yeah i think he's played 25 games now he's got 17 goals or 30 games now he's got 17 goals i i mean he's just a timeless kind of wonder in terms of you know when it comes to the way he plays he still plays with the tenacity in his game he's still there maybe not his best game in, in that regard i didn't think he was super physical in this one um but at the same time i mean they're, they're also coming off a long road trip and you know, it's tough to keep up that kind of level of play throughout, and especially at his age. I mean, he's 37 now, which is I'm not far away from 37. But you know, in hockey years, it, it, it's it's it, you know, you're getting you know, it's antiquated, right? So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I thought it, I thought he played a game. I, I didn't I didn't think it was good or bad. It was just kind of a game from Ovi. Um, but uh, you know, he gets he gets number seven nine seven. He's 98 now, I think, or 97. Back of Gretzky, he's four back of Gordy Howe. I mean, you know, to Sean's point, I mean, I mean, there was a lot of discourse on Twitter tonight about a couple of fans who were holding Ukrainian flags, waving at them during the warm-up. But if you just isolate this into, like, the hockey, into the rink, into the confines of 200 feet by 80 at 5 feet, um, you know, what we're watching right now is it, it's nothing short of incredible, right? I mean, I was saying this earlier on CJOB on the pregame show, it was... You know, I, I, I saw Gretzky's goal. I was watching it. I remember watching it with my dad, and he was explaining to me kind of what, you know, when he scored 802, I guess it was. Um, I think that was against, I don't even know who it was against, but, you know, he does a little step, and you see, you're like, okay, this is cool. But, you know, I've watched all of Ovi's career now, and, and that's that's the cool part. You've seen the 50-goal season, the nine of them that he's had. You've seen the 65-goal season. You've seen the 11 or 12 seasons that he's had 40 or more. Like it, it's really, it's really, it, it's it's cool to watch. It's fun to watch uh, when you separate, you know, what's going on in the world and all that right now and and that sort of thing. It, it's 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 just a fun thing to watch some guy chase a record that you know I think 10 years ago even you would have said that record is untouchable. Nobody's going to ever touch that record. Um, and now you got a guy that's probably within three years of doing it if he can keep it up and stay healthy and. You know, I think that's maybe the, you know, the coolest part about it. The most, uh, you know, the interesting part to me is just how consistent you have to be to get 800 goals, um, and and how close he is to kind of doing that, and how consistent he has been and healthy, I suppose, throughout his career. Someone touched on it. Uh, I think that's his fourth straight goal. That is an empty net goal. Uh, there was a point tonight where. Before he scored the empty netter, uh, he was out and the, the the lines changed. So he got sent out and his coach is giving him every opportunity to pad his stats. I like the idea that the coach is doing that. He yeah. should have changed in that moment. He didn't. I think his coach is okay with that. I'm not <laughs> sure how much I like that message. Like I th- What it tells me right now is, is for him to get there, 
he, this is what it's going to take, right? For the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of this from, from Alex Ovechkin. He, he better hope that the Washington Capitals stay a good team who find themselves up in a lot of games so that the other team can, can pull the goaltender because th- this <laughs> is more and more, I think what he's going to look like. Uh, and, and again, I'm not sure how much I like that message. The Jets, we've seen, if you give them an inch, and this is what I thought happened in the third period. I thought that I, the Washington Capitals went in after the second uh, and thought, okay, we've got these guys. They, we, we broke them. They gave up. And then they come out and Adam Lowry does his thing. And then that next goal, guys, is atrocious. The Washington Capitals yeah. have four guys in the mid and lower slot when they turn over the puck and not one of them turns to skate up ice, like you're protecting a lead here. And so it ends up being a play going the other way. It's a gorgeous goal that the Jets score to pull this off, but it was the right thing to do at that time for Peter Laviolette to call the timeout. And honestly, guys, I think his timeout was just this. He he pulled the guys in and he was like, seriously, guys, like seriously, four guys in the lower slot. Like I could have thrown a tire. That was like, termite hockey right that's little kids all chasing towards the net there's no reason for them to be chasing towards the net at that point that was them not taking the game seriously at that point um so i i think that can happen on a team where you've got a guy who's clearly getting preferential treatment to try and pad his stats down down the record here Again, I'm going to be on the record for it. I have no problem with it. My favorite football player of all time is Emmett Smith. He's got the most rushing yards of all time. He went to a team at the end of his career in Arizona who basically just said, you're just going to come here and pad your stats. That's all we're going to do with you and added to that record. I'm okay with that. However you get yeah, to it is how you get to it. Yeah. And, and Wayne Gretzky had more than his share of empty net goals in his career as well. So I've got no problem with it. I guess in a game like that, they would have deserved it if the Jets would have popped one and then tied that thing up. No doubt about it in my mind, but they didn't. So that doesn't matter. Uh, Ken, uh, I was talking with Jim when that play happened. Uh, I thought for sure, no matter what, if, if, if Alex Ovechkin would have shot that shot, it was in the back of the net. I was dumbfounded. I don't think I've ever seen him pass up a scoring chance like that before and try and make that pass. Now, Jim did say, listen, if the, if the pass isn't ticked and it's a great, great job by the Jets <laughs> defender to get a stick on yeah. that puck, it's a tap in goal. That's all fine and dandy, but geez, you're, you're Alex Ovechkin. I, I, I bet on myself more times often than not, but I don't know, like from what I saw from him tonight, you know, you saw those moments where he's got that body posture where he just kind of like stands up straight it's almost like an energy conservation thing. More of his game looked like that to me than than uh, than you know the engaged Alex Ovechkin. I wonder how much of that is a player who's just like saving himself for the right moments in the game. Maybe a player who's saving himself for later in the season. Maybe that's what is required of someone of that age or of Alex Ovechkin to to be ready and right for the right times. But. He's a dangerous guy, but tonight, I can I think it was you who said it because Kuznetsov was clearly the better player. There was a lot of better players on the ice out there than he was. Um, to your point about the comments that he was make, making earlier on, I, I 
this every city that he rolls into now, Ken, he's facing these questions sure. over and over and over again, right? So we go in, we've got a job to do. Part of it is asking him about that kind of stuff and getting him on the record for us, especially before we lose him in Canada so that our, our partners in different markets can't go get him. You know, when he's down in Seattle, we're not getting Sportsnet clips from him, right? You're dependent on someone else getting those clips. Um, I liked his line at the end because I'd asked him, you know, what yeah. his trophy case looks like because there's a lot of different special pucks that he could have collected over his career i liked his answer he said eh, i've got a couple but i don't like pucks i like sticks right so <laughs> i think what he does is he takes the sticks afterwards and th the more i think about it ken the more i think you know the way that players go through sticks that would almost be the more special thing this is the stick that i scored that with right it, I, it's got me rethinking the way they do this like in baseball what would you rather have you know the ball that went over the fence or, or the bat that slugged it over the fence I think it's a good question I think it's got me rethinking how we do this sports memorabilia stuff but uh, one of the things oh. I love about uh, I'll just wrap this right now one of the things I love about him and how he handles the media guys Joe Thornton does this um, some of the really good guys do this they, they control and, and, and they stay engaged with the media because they control how long they stay there. Alex Ovechkin is really good. And he's done it every time he's coming to town, guys. When he's done with the scrum, he'll finish answering a question and he'll say, okay, guys, thanks, and he'll turn and walk away. <laughs> yeah. And that's how he does it. He ends it. He doesn't wait for a PR person to come over. He doesn't wait till there's a pause in the conversation. He finishes up and he says, okay, guys, thanks, see you later, and then he passes it over. Joe Thornton used to do that yes, all the indeed. time. Uh, like for players like, you know, like I, I've always thought that in Winnipeg, like it, it's almost, I don't want to take the job of, you know, uh, the, the PR guys there, but I've always thought if you tell some of the guys who are a little more uncomfortable with the media that when they're done, they just say, thanks guys and turn around and walk away as journalists. You're like, okay, he's done. Right. Like no one's grabbing him by the shirt collar and trying to yank him back into the scrum. That's yeah. not, that's not how it happened. So well, he was always, perfectly positioned in front of. The, he had the trap door already <laughs> set. Yeah, he could just go right his stall, was, his stall was in a yeah. perfect spot, uh, <laughs> yeah. but our pal Sergey had him moved over. He basically put him right in front of the door. And as he was saying, "Thanks, guys," his right hand was already undoing the door. It was it was vintage. The uh, the ejector seat was pulled. It exploded. Yeah. So uh, let's get back to the Jets here. But, but, but yes, let's do that. But before we do, I want you to give a shout out to our main man, Sweet Lou. Yeah, right on, folks. Uh, for all of you listening live and or checking it out on the podcast later on, if you're in the real estate market, if you're buying, if you're selling, if you're curious what your home is worth, if you're curious what other homes in your uh, you know area of town are worth, uh, you can contact our our good friend Lou Furlan of Royal LePage Dynamic Real Estate. You can reach him at 204-791-9971 or at the office at 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlan.ca. That's L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And the website is www.louferlan.ca. Uh, Lou not only is a great realtor, uh, he's found me a couple of great condos. Uh, he's also a great human being, a big supporter of uh, sports in this community, and we're proud to have him on as our sponsor. 
Right on. Uh, Sweet Louie's the main man. Uh, you know what? John Chan is in. Uh, great to see. I don't know if John saw it. Uh, John, we gave away your Frosty Delicious 8-pack of lamp lighter uh, to Doug Throsky, who I think is already... He's the next one. It rolled over. Sorry that you didn't get in there. I, I hope I made the rules clear. I think I did. But John says uh, here, bet no one asked Ovi the tough questions about his relationship with Putin and his support of Russia's war with the Ukraine. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I've got no no problems at all um in situations like this especially when athletes have made a public display of of political support and things like this of of asking these questions i didn't ask it the reason i didn't ask it is it in my opinion it's been asked and answered on numerous occasions yeah um i think you'd be making a a, a certain point uh if if you were continued asking that question i mean i mean maybe the argument and I, i've got all day for this argument is i need to ask that question in a different way uh to try and dig um it, all if if people feel critical of of me and how i'm doing my job uh, because of that they have every right to feel that way everyone's right to their to their opinion um and like I extend this to, you know, in the in the crowd, people waving the Ukrainian flag. I've got no problem with that. Right. Like I I, I think that yeah. there's a lot of people who say it's athletes, it's sports that it has no part of part of it. Uh, I mean, I, I think when you're a player like Alexander <laughs> Ovechkin, who's enjoyed the life that he has made the money that he has come over to, you know, the United States and, and support from Canadian fans as well as part of the money that he will have made because the NHL as a whole is supported and propped up in large part by Canadian fans. So he owes a debt of gratitude to them. He's, he's on the other side of, of where Canada is and the United States is politically on this. And I've got no problem with people pointing that out uh, at all. Uh, so this, this to me, John, is a fair comment. Uh, I say I didn't do that because, again, I feel it was asked and answered. Um, the present news, and it's not olds, it's news. The new thing happening with Alexander Ovechkin right now is his approach and his chase of the 800. That's the way I see it. Again, if people disagree with that, if people think that I should be um, you know, digging harder uh, in that situation, I've got all the time in the world for those criticisms, and feel free to co contact me through social media channels and let me know that I've I've got no issue with that at all. Oh, oh you guys you're got back. me. You cut out. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Else. I I think I think the Russians. Uh, I think the Russians heard what we were talking about, guys, and cut out my uh, <laughs> internet here. Uh, <laughs> um, let's, do, uh, let's talk. Okay, you you pick the topic, Ken. I was going to say home field, but we may not have one picked out yet. I don't have one yet. No, okay, uh, it's one of these. We it's need time them to for dig the home deeper. field. Dig deeper. Let's go, folks. Let's go. get in. You have 15 minutes to put something out there that uh, that uh, that is worthy of the dig deeper award. Um, let's talk a little bit about Josh Morrissey again. I think there was one point he got uh, caught. Uh, he, he's one of the guys when I was thinking about the risk, um, the, the aggression that we see from Josh Morrissey. You saw it on perfect display in that last game against Chicago with that perfect stop at the blue line that turns into a scoring chance going the other way, which I think is the key goal in that Chicago Blackhawks game, which just sets up the rest of the game. There was a time tonight he tried to pinch on the boards, missed it. It ended up being a two-on-one the other way. They didn't score, but it was one of those moments that stood out tonight for me and that the, that, that the Washington Capitals were able to turn the Jets' aggression against them. But just that assist that he gets on Adam Lowry's goal – 
I was thinking this, guys, and he didn't walk the line in that situation, but I think Josh has just had such an unbelievable knack for getting the puck to the net at the right time. You know, he's that guy who doesn't necessarily shoots to score. He shoots to create. And that, I think, was on full display. But the other thing about him is when he gets the puck on the line and starts walking the line, what I noticed tonight is there's like kind of a quietness in the building, like a holding of breath. What that tells me is fans are starting to look at Josh Morrissey and think when he gets the puck and starts doing that, people are expecting something to happen and they have every right to because, again, he's a goal, you know, a point per game player and he's creating so much. But Ken, what did you think of his game tonight? Yeah, I saw someone mention in the chat that they didn't like Morrissey's game. I thought he was fine. I he thought he yeah, was min- 25 minutes again. Um, he was a, you know, he was not on for any goals against, I don't think. So I'm not sure what people expect every game. Uh, Josh just hit yeah. 26 assists on the year, which ties his career high in game number 27. Like, think of all the time he has left in the season. He's put together an unbelievable start here. Uh, was it his best game? No, but I, I didn't see a ton of critical errors in the game. Um, Josh is look, he's carrying a heavy load on this defense. Uh, the minutes were up again. I think the Jets were, you know, because they were chasing the game in the third period, uh, their third pairing was not playing nearly as much. Um so he's on the ice a ton. If you touch the puck as often as Josh does and you play against that high level of competition, there are going to be the occasional mistake that gets made. I mean, this is one of my issues with some of the, you know, deep dive analytics. I mean, when it when a, when an Adam Lowry's line plays against Alex Ovechkin, there aren't going to be many days where they carry the flow of play. I mean, when yeah. you're playing against the other team's best player, that I'm not saying it's expected. It's incredibly difficult to win that type of battle. Uh, and, you know, the Jets did a great job against Ovechkin during that line during the game because Lowry's line was effective. And Josh Morrissey played a lot of those minutes against uh, Alex Ovechkin and company. So I thought Morrissey was steady, like I said, just under 25 minutes. Uh, he had two shots on goal, three attempts, one hit, two giveaways, one takeaway. I mean... Uh, you know, again, and he also was playing with a different partner at different times because when the Jets fell behind, Neil Pionk was back with Morrissey as they yeah. tried to look to be a little bit more offensive. Uh, I thought there were times where Nate Schmidt, I thought, did a nice job getting involved uh, in the rush. He had one really nice one-timer. But, I mean, I don't think it was the Jets' best defensive effort as a unit. I don't think it was necessarily their defenseman. I don't think it was necessarily the coverage. But the complete, you know, the whole... Uh, was an issue today. It wasn't as sound as what we had been used to seeing. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't think, like I said, I don't, it was not Josh's best game, but I think he was still above average too good for the majority. But I guess I understand because he set such a high bar that some folks thinks he, think he wa- wasn't dominant. I mean, I thought he was very nobody good. Nobody was very, tonight, was though, right? Yeah. Yeah, like nobody was dominant tonight on the Jets. No, exactly. And, then, you know, I think, but I don't think Josh Morrissey had a bad game. I mean, I, I remember watching a couple times in the second. Josh Morrissey was the one calmly trying taking the Jets out of chaotic situations in their own zone by using his edge work and his speed to, and then just his smarts to move a puck out of the zone. And the Jets were under fire in some of these under siege in some of these situations in the second. And Josh Morrissey was there helping the team out by getting a, a zone clear. 
and, and not just by flipping the puck, but actually carrying it out and using his speed. And and so, you know, uh, there was twice that he did that, and I'm like, you know, like Josh's explosive first step, second step, third step. I mean, those things are such um, so much on display tonight for Josh, and I think that that was something that you know that I saw for him. Like, you know, it's not going well for the team, but Josh is out there doing the right things, trying to get stuff done trying to help the team out and get them out of, out of the bad situations that they had been in. Um, you know, I, I'm not holding it against him. I mean, you look at some of the coverages on the goals, you know, that that's a team effort. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the one I want to say was the fourth goal. It might've been the second, but you know, Axel Johnson Fialbi is supposed to be playing defense with Nate Schmidt up in the play. It's kind of already looked backwards. The guy, the puck stick and it's just like, you're not even looking at the play, and so there, there was just some breakdowns. I mean, I think, I think, I think uh, Rick Bonus said the best after the game. I mean, you know, the team just wasn't, the legs weren't there. Everything else seemed out of sync, is what he said. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with him. But I, you know, I pinning it on Josh Morrissey, I, it, it seems a bit asinine right now, given how good he has been for this team. And yeah, you expect him to bring it every night. I thought he brought it tonight. He just didn't, you know, it wasn't as noticeable when the Jets are losing, you know, four nothing at one point. Uh, you know, you, this is a, an aside, but I've already kind of talked <laughs> about Josh Morrissey. You know who I thought played Josh Morrissey better than any other player I've seen this season seemed to give him trouble, especially in his own zone and in kind of breaking up his ability to move the puck out of the zone. Uh, the way that you're describing Scott was Patrick Line. And I know that Columbus game yeah. wasn't, but if you go back and you watch the tape of that, Line is all over him. Okay. And and the one thing about that is Josh has been able to, you know, because his positioning is so good, but he's stronger than he looks as well. Uh, so you rare, like, I don't th- try and think of situations where you see him get out muscled. It doesn't happen very yeah. often. But Patrick Line, especially in that game, showed that he's got like a real astute awareness. And because he's got such a long stick, um, his ability to get that stick into passing lanes was something else. But also, like, the strength of him, uh, the way that Josh Morrissey has been able to shake people, he wasn't able to do in that game. I don't know if I brought that up in the game that we had there, but that's something that stood out to me this year. Of course, Patrick Lyon was motivated in that game. That was a little bit of, like, what we saw from Shifley and the boys in the uh, Florida Panthers game. They came in motivated to show something in that game. No doubt Patrick Lyon came in uh, motivated to show something in that game, uh, and I I just, since we're talking about Josh Morrissey, even on a night like tonight where people are saying he looked bad, I'm like saying, thinking to myself, other than that play where he gets, you know, the the puck gets chipped behind him and it's a two on one. I'm trying to think of what that person is seeing that they would look and say, well, that's a bad game. I'm just not seeing it. Um, uh, Let's get to to Pierre-Luc Dubois a little bit. Um, Let's touch on his game, Ken. I wanted you to touch on it because, hey, you already talked a little bit about the stick thing. Um, the call uh, or the non-call uh, that he's looking for, is that a call or no call in your mind? Uh, it's been <laughs> called quite regularly is, is how I would describe it, Sean. Um, I don't know if it was a – I'd like to get another look at it. I don't think it was a full slew foot. I do agree that he pulled across his body – I don't think this is one of the times where Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to the ice easily because he's trying to draw the minor penalty. Though, of course, they're trying to set themselves up with a power play in that situation. I did think it should have been called in that scenario. Um, but I'm not saying not for one second where the refs, the, the refs were not at fault for the Jets being in a losing matter here. 
Um, I would say that the Jets didn't convert on their three power plays and gave up a shorty and yeah. also allowed one power play goal after surviving a five on three. So when you lose the special teams battle to nothing, uh, I don't think you have the right to blame officials for anything. Uh, having said that, I do think that was one of the missed ones. I mean, I would also say the Caps probably felt there were a couple things that were missed on that front as well. I think it was more of a let them play mantra today, uh, which I would say in this case maybe favored the Capitals, but uh, I don't think it was a big issue. But I do think in that in that scenario, to me, um, you know, we know how strong Pierre-Luc Dubois is, so in order for him to be thrown off the puck the way that he was and taken to the ice, I have a hard time believing that it wasn't a holding call or a penalty, interference or holding, yeah. whatever Scotty? you want to call it. Scotty? Yeah, I thought it sort of looked like the whole the slew foot that never got called on Dubois. What was what game was that? Oh yeah, the guy got fined, uh, and and, and Dubois yeah. got the whole yeah, and Dubois got the holding penalty instead. Like Felino, but, you was know, it not Felino? It might have been Felino. And I think you know what's hard about those is that <clears throat> I mean, you guys have talked about this on your show, and I think I even we did uh, when I was on one time. It's just he, Dubois so masterful at. at at putting himself in those like 50 50 situations, right? When he gets tangled with a guy, that it's hard for a referee. Like, I'm almost defending the refs here because it's difficult to kind of suss out who who's at fault. But I agree with you. Like, when it looks like a slew foot, it often is a slew foot. Like, it's hard to not make a slew, like, it's hard to have a slew foot not look like a slew foot. And so, to me, like, it was a slew foot, and you have to call that. It's one of the most oh, dangerous yes, plays in hockey. Coleman, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was yeah, Calgary, right? So, yeah. Um, but it, it, it's one of those. It, it's just the problem with the. It's so dangerous, and you know, I think that's one of the big problems. Just the way you fall backwards, the way you can hit your head, the way that it can, you know, mess up your ankle or your knee. Sometimes, like, there's a lot of bad things that can go on there. And 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 I think you hit it on the head, Kenny. Like, he's a tough man to take down, and I don't think Dubois goes down easily ever i mean i think when a guy takes him down it's often because there's some jostling with arms or whatever or a trip or you know those sort of things um so yeah i'm not uh i, I think it should have been called uh you know but at the same time you know were the jets playing good enough to at that point to to get a call their way i i don't know right i mean because like you're saying kenny i mean they're looking to find a call to get a penalty or to get a power play at that point and uh yeah they just you know there, there's been a lot of missed calls this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we've watched a lot of games with the Jets, and you would think that there's a lot of missed calls. I mean, you might not say it. I mean, you might just say, well, that's just the way the game goes. I mean, I think we've missed a few um, before. But, yeah, I mean, slew foot's a slew foot, and I think the refs just have to – you gotta, you got to call it. So. Um, sorry, I'm just going to uh, rest low. And I, I know what you're talking about before. I don't have the comment up there, but uh, I disagreed with uh, something Russ had said about, I, I do think it's our responsibility to ask those questions. Like when things get political and when they're tough, like we're journalists that, I mean, that's how I view myself. I know there's other people like that. And listen, I've worked in newsrooms before where I've been a news guy and around um, news people who don't look at sports reporters as being journalists. And I disagree with that a thousand percent. Uh, I oh, think yeah. there's a lot of situations where, where journalists, sports journalists, you know, pra like some of the best journalism you'll find is sports journalism. Take a look at the ESPN 30 for 30 stuff like the, these look are Rick Westhead. 
Yeah, look right? at right. Yeah, at, exactly. Look, look at what Rick Westhead is doing, and there's all kinds of room for what Rick Westhead is doing. So yeah. um, I, I disagreed with <laughs> what Russ said because I do think it, and I do take it my as my responsibility to tackle those kind of tough questions. Like I, so anyways, Russ says, Sean, I didn't say you shouldn't ask. I said nobody should give you grief if you don't or if you don't push harder. People who want answers have every right to push someone like myself who has the the privilege of the access that we do have. People have every right to push us and say that we should be doing more with our access if they believe they should be doing more with our access. I take I take no problem with John Chan's comments or anyone else out there who thinks that, that, that we should be doing more. This is where I was at. I tried to explain where I was at. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying that's where I was at in this situation. But I'm open to people saying, listen, you, you, because in the end, Scott, Ken, myself, we represent you. And if we don't represent you, we're not doing our jobs right. So you as a consumer of our of our news have every right to demand more from us. And, and I'll, I'll yeah. stand at the top of that hill and wave that flag forever. We are here as a conduit to open up information so that you viewers, the people in the chat room, the people who watch us on TV, the people who read Kenny's stuff online, the people who read Scott's stuff, we are here as a conduit so that you get access to information that we believe it's important you get access to. And that is clearly important information. Uh, fire away. If you don't think that uh, that we're doing our job, um, hold our feet to the fire. That's what should be happening. Uh, I OK, let's wrap this up with the uh, home field here. Oh, sorry. I, I wanted to talk about the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff. I didn't see a replay, so I I, I can't give um, I can't give a really great uh, uh, breakdown of it. All I can say is in real time when I saw it, and Ken, this is the whole thing about you'd said, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a big, tough guy. It's pretty hard to take him down. I think that that Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, I've called him the cerebral pest. I think that's part of it. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois uses the whole idea. Remember, Dustin Bufflin would get two minutes for being too strong, right? Well, I think that Pierre-Luc Dubois flipped that paradigm. There's a, there's so many penalties that Pierre-Luc Dubois takes where he goes down, where I think it's like he he didn't fight his way through that. He went with the pull, um, and and so I, I know you I know you disagree with me on this, this has okay. been my take for a long time, and, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois blurs the line of embellishment. He's not obvious. He's not a guy who like does it to a degree that is just like, what's this guy doing? But I think Pierre-Luc Dubois knows when to go down a little bit softer than he typically would. And I think there's times that, that Pierre-Luc Dubois hits the ice that if he really dug in and tried to fight his way through, he wouldn't have hit the ice. It's part of who he is, and it's part of what makes him great at That's drawing smart. penalties. That's my take on it. But what I take away from that is if you blur that line and you get a lot of calls from it, then unless the call is an outright that is a penalty and that's a penalty, you should expect to get some calls missed. And tonight, that's what I see in that situation. That's a call that in that situation, if I'm a ref, I'm thinking Pierre-Luc Dubois, from what I've seen, if they think the way that I think, sometimes goes down a little bit easier than he should to get a call. And boy, the Jets could sure use a call right now. It's not outright obvious to me. I think he tweaked that a little bit. 
if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, you get a lot of calls that go your way in that situation. So you have to expect some calls will not go that way in that situation. That's what I saw tonight, right or wrong. So quick, uh, quick one on that. Bad yes. Blake says, did you see the wicked slash PLD got away with after the non-call there? There so you go. Which, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So to me, the reason why the slash is not called I think it's right, because the, the ref knew that the they missed the original. Yeah. So rather than call both, they let both slide. That, and, that's and, that's yeah. my opinion on that. Yet, to sort on of that, show, that further goes to your point, Sean. <laughs> I just don't think that. I, I, I just saying. don't think the refs. I don't think the refs think that PLD goes down easy though. I think PLD puts himself in a position that makes it very difficult for the referees to understand. Who's at fault when both guys oh, go sure. down? We, yeah, like, right. I, I don't. Right. I, but I don't think. I, but but I disagree with you, Sean, on the fact that it's it's you know the refs are catching on to something like that. No, I, like I think PLD plays the game in such a hard way at times that yeah, like when two guys kind of collide or get arms tangled or whatever, it's hard to know. So you take one guy, and and that's just the way it is. I, I don't think this is a. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of even like one of the better divers in the NHL. Like I don't. I don't think it's that. I, I think it's just. It, it's a difficult game. It's a. It, it's a. It's a very fine line that PLD walks with that, but it, it's not because he's a you know a bit of a diver, or a embellisher, or anything like that. I think it's. Yeah, like I, that's what I mean. Like it, it's a master. And I said that earlier. Like it, it's. It's. He's masterful at doing that. Um, you know, few players can put themselves in those kind of positions. But like you said, and I agree with you, the point, sometimes it's difficult to know what, so he draws one or he takes one, and that's just kind of, that's the game he kind of plays, and he knows the rules, and, and he'll get upset about the ones he doesn't and probably snicker at the ones that, you know, that, that, that he does draw. And it's just, but I, I, I just disagree with a little bit of, that there's some embellishment there. I'm not sure that's the, that's the case. I, I think it's, a, and again, I don't think That's it's fine. a bad thing. I I, I, th- I I completely and totally think that there is. I think there's examples <laughs> of it every single game. And I don't have a problem with it. Like, I, you know, people sure. people will say, like, oh, this guy's a rat. And he does this and he does that. I think there's a difference between, like, a high stick yeah. whiffing up beside someone's face and going, like, oh, my God, doing this. And then you look on the replay and it actually never touched it, right? Uh, Sorry, guys, am I back? Or was no, I gone? You, yeah. you were gone, you're yes, good. I didn't hear yeah. that. You were for um, a second. Yeah, like I, if you take those situations where the puck goes flying up and the guy throws his head back and does this and makes a big opera out of it, and then you look at the replay and see that it never actually touched him, I think there's a difference between that. Like I think there's like there's moments where Pierre-Luc Dubois is like, I could fight through this or I could go through this, right? And usually the the ref makes the call if the guy fights through it and doesn't go down right like it i think we were told in hockey ken i'm sure you've been told this before the ref will say if you just would have fought through it i would have given you the call right well pierre-luc dubois has found a way to go the other way pierre-luc dubois has found a way in in my mind to to, to like I, I put it this way i don't th- i think he could have fought through that tonight i think if pierre-luc dubois really bared down as strong as he is to ken's point he just would have kept skating he would have to fight that guy off it would have slowed him down it would have put him in a less you know beneficial spot but he could have fought his way through but i think pierre-luc dubois thought you know let's let's slip gently into that good good night and hope the call comes it didn't come that's it's that's part of him being the cerebral pest like i like to call him uh i think it's yeah. good hockey and it's one of the reasons why he draws as many calls as he does um we got to do a co- 
two quick things before we go here. Someone called foul on me after last game, and they were right to. I put on the headband song, and no one ever saw me in the headband. That was a foul. <laughs> so we're going to make this a Sean uh, Sean's headband version of the Kenny Rennie Show, and I'll come back and hand out the home field uh, award with the headband on. Here we go, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, the the winner of the Dig Deeper Award. Uh, I, I like this one right here. Eric Horleyson kind of, it's like one of those, what do you call that? When you break the third dimension, like when there's a show and the guy, you know, addresses the audience. Eric Horleyson kind of breaks the third uh, dimension here by actually the last referring name again. to the Dig Deeper. <laughs> Horleyson? Horleyson? Uh, how deep do we need to dig? Tough game loses, or sorry, tough game losses build character. Move on to the next game and keep pushing forward. I think that this is the lesson that the Jets have to take out of this. I think trying to say they didn't have it tonight or they didn't have their legs or whatever is a cop-out. The Winnipeg Jets walked in, got in a fight tonight, punched the other team in the mouth at times, but got punched harder back and didn't and ended up on the canvas in this one. That's okay. They just have to come away and and realize that there's going to be games where teams push back harder than what we've seen from the St. Louis Blues and the Chicago Blackhawks and a lot of these teams. Um, that's the lesson to be taken away from this. So Eric Hjorleifsson, what what I think I think that's as close as it gets. Hjorleifsson, the J is a Y sound, is it not? Uh, when you're talking about Scott and Avon. Uh, anyways, you you won the dig dig deeper award for the show here, uh, and that's it, guys. Scotty, great to have Put you back. Put the banner uh, up quickly. Put the banner up quickly. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and can can give uh, give our boys a home field. It's, little it's home field for marketing and more. Uh, you can reach them at www.myhomefield.ca. Okay. All right, Scotty. Great job here tonight, Kenny. You as well. Chat room on fire as usual. Although it took you a little bit longer to dig deeper. But that's what the award is for. Hey, sometimes to dig deeper, it takes time to dig through the shallow and get to the deep. You finally got there tonight. <laughs> really appreciate everyone here. Uh, looking forward to the next show, which is going to be a big one after the uh, big, bad Vegas Golden Knights come rolling into town. That's going to be a good one. Looking forward to spending some time with you after that game, everybody. Enjoy your next couple of days. <laughs>